You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Roll with Coda and roll on over to our digital fare management system that lets you digitize dollars and save money every time you ride. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Learn more at Coda.com forward slash transit app. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante, and the New York Yankees season is apparently still happening this week. There are games on the schedule. The Subway Series is next weekend, but for all intents and purposes, it is over. This is an average team playing below average baseball against the teams they need to beat. That's what average to bad teams do. And this weekend sweep against the Boston Red Sox pretty much ended all hope we have of this turnaround being permanent in any way. We are almost 80 games into the season. The Yankees have played the same game 80 times. They've won some of them slightly more than they've lost, which is very lucky. But in pressure situations, they have lost every single time. We had Gabrielle Starr, Red Sox fan, on the show on Friday, which proved the irrationality of fandom because she didn't want to get swept. We didn't want to get swept, but only we were in the position of actually having to think about what it might mean to get swept. And for a Red Sox fan to actually think they were going to get swept in that series, um, I mean, that's, you know, fans are fans. But I mean, come on now. No chance. Um, Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it, uh, but not really. We actually won't be happy to answer it at all. Um, I'm done. I, Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm I'm finished. 2017 Yankees were punked by the Houston Astros, and they arrived too early uh, to the playoff party. So, like, no expectations. 2018, the Red Sox, Yankees should have been a showdown. Nope. Yankees never played their best game once against the Red Sox ever. 2019, Yankees got the Astros again. Prime chance to play their best game. Did it in game one. Never did it again. 2020, play your best game against the Rays. Did it maybe in game one. Never again. 2021, every time they play the Rays, is a chance to show they belong. Every time the Red Sox, a chance to show they belong. They never do it. What if the Yankees just entered one of these series at Fenway and played their best game? What if that happened? It never happened. The Yankees loaded the bases a couple times down three or down two or in a scenario where a good team might make the opposing team pay at some point. Never even came close to making them pay. Red Sox fans sweated it out. We knew better. Yeah, well, uh, where are the assholes, though? Because both of the times that 
we have faced the Red Sox this year, we have just openly asked for one win and we can't, we can't even go two and four. We asked for two and four, which is bad. It's still bad. So bad. It's still not good. Instead, we're zero and six. Uh, I didn't catch a glimpse of any baseball this week and I was at a wedding in Virginia. Um, so I was very thankful because I was there with one of my buddies who's a Red Sox fan. And I pretty much told him what was going to happen. I said, you know what? We're not going to show up. You guys are going to have a full, you know, capacity crowd at Fenway. Yankees are going to get punked. And that's just the way it's going to be. Stupidly, I thought uh, Garrett Cole could step up on Sunday and give us the win. But I'm a Garrett Cole guy. I just I I don't really have confidence in him to step on the mound and, and give us a win, nor do I have confidence in the Yankees to give him any run support. So it's kind of the double edged sword there. Um Bottom line is when we need seven scoreless from Garrett Cole, we usually don't get it. I know he leads the league in giving up two earned runs or fewer in starts, but um, that's you need even better from that from your ace when your team is on the ropes. Um, I hate that those expectations are thrust upon him, but that's what happens when you're in New York. That's what happens when you sign the largest contract of any pitcher in MLB history. Um, and the problems run deep for the Yankees, and it's not just uh, it's for me, at least. It's not just from a performance standpoint. We could talk about the runners in scoring position. You want to hear the stats? Should we go over the stats? Does anybody uh, show of hands? Does anybody want to hear stats it, from this weekend? Is that something you guys want to hear? <laughs> oh no, fuck the weekend. I'll talk about the oh in the general. Yeah, yeah, okay, bring it. Two sixteen batting average, 29th. 304 slugging percentage, dead last. Six twenty seven OPS, 29th. The only teams that are behind them, by the way, are the Pittsburgh Pirates. 115 hits last 11 home runs, 27th, 160 RBIs last two stolen bases, 29th. I don't know how that's not last 28 grounded into double plays most. So um, for me, this team is, is the character and, and the DNA and the identity. Uh, They don't, they don't have one. Um, I don't know if that's because we've talked about many times. Is it because of Aaron Boone? I don't know. Is it because, of the player evaluation. I don't know. Is it because when they, they don't really take into account personalities and um, you know, different, different types of guys who bring certain things to the table. I don't know. They seem to have the same character throughout the roster, whether you look at Aaron judge, Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMay, Hugh Glaber Torres, nobody knows how to talk to the media. Nobody know. I want, I, they need to get the media back in the locker room because I think that that puts some sort of pressure on a team now this team has been doing two years of fucking Zoom meetings, which everybody in America does. We do Zoom meetings every day. You don't really have to be there mentally or in any capacity for it. You just have to show up. Yeah. And your face has to be on the fucking camera. We're so still winning players. We've been doing it for two years. We're still winners. <laughs> yeah, still winners. But I think I don't know what changes need. To, I really don't. I really don't know what changes need to be made. I don't know if they need another bat. I don't know if they need a couple of bench guys bringing the energy. You thought Rugnet Odor would kind of help inject some life. He is an emotional dude. He is the first one out of the dugout when the Yankees do something momentous, um, which is good to see, but it doesn't seem like his energy is at all infectious. We're still having the same post-game interviews. Oh, you know, you know, things are going to happen. Things are going to change. They're not going to change. We're 75 games in and guys, for the love of God, stop comparing the start for this season to the 2009 Yankees. I know you're all not doing it. I know the broadcast mentioned it yesterday. Oh, the 2019 Yankees, uh, the 2019 Yankees, the 2009 Yankees were 38 and 32 and they lost their first eight games against the Red Sox. Yeah. You know what the, the 2009 Yankees also did after going 38 and 32, they won 13 of 15 
to to I think that that brought them to 51 and 34. And then they got swept by the Angels right before the All-Star break. But they were 51 and 37 heading into the All-Star break. If we could to go 51 and 37, we'd have to win 11 straight games. This team is clearly not capable of doing that. Um, and they would have to get performances, the best performances possible from their best players possible. Also, before the All-Star break that year, the Yankees offense led MLB in a number of categories. So they weren't losing games by playing a shitty brand of baseball, by not bringing any energy, by by failing in every fundamental aspect you can think of, by not getting timely hits, by not showing any sort of gumption in, in tight moments. They were just losing. They were getting outscored in games and it was just they were just losing baseball games. They weren't losing baseball games in gut wrenching fashion day after day, the way this team is doing it. And they weren't not showing up at all, uh, which is also a brand of baseball that this team plays. Um, So I don't really want to hear the comparison. The 2009 Yankees led the way in home runs, OPS, uh, RBIs up until that point. They were even 10th in stolen bases, I think. So like they were actually doing they were actually doing things that sometimes in baseball the, just doesn't bounce your way. You lose games. There's 162 in a season. But the way the Yankees are losing games this year and the way they're not responding when they need to respond, even in the most the minimal, we need the minimal response. Like we said, we, we needed one win in Boston. We didn't need a series win. We just needed one win. And they got zero. They, they lost three games in the standings because they couldn't figure out a way to win one of the games. And they were outclassed and outplayed by the Red Sox in every capacity, pitching, offense, fundamentals, defense, every which way you could think about it. They were outplayed at this point. It's embarrassing. Like you're saying, I don't even think additions are the, I think we need subtractions before we make any additions. And I don't know. I don't know where it starts. The Red Sox for all, all the discussion this weekend, look, we just wanted to win one game. They didn't even play that well. They just took advantage of a team that's unprepared to play Major League Baseball. In the Sunday game, they bludgeoned Garrett Cole in the first inning. That's an impressive win. They the Yankees needed that third win. The Red Sox go, you're not getting it. You're gonna go down one, two, three in the first. You're never gonna sniff a victory here. Good game. Good job by the Red Sox. Uh in the night game on Friday, Red Sox get out to a three-nothing lead. Domingo Herman is terrible. Uh he he dropped a comebacker to the mound three or four or five times on the same dribbler. It was very impressive. But the Red Sox get out to a 3 nothing lead. Xander Bogarts gets a double play ball when the Yankees are rallying in the bottom of the inning. He drops it. Ultimately, Clint Frazier works a bases loaded walk. DJ knocks in two with a single. Game is tied again at 3-3. That's, that's not good. Red Sox blew that. Red Sox had a huge early lead, blew it immediately. Let the Yankees punch back once. Then Boston put up a weird run that probably never should have happened. Then Phil Nevin took a run off the board by sending Gio Urshela for no apparent reason on a single to right by Andujar. And then that game was 4-3 for like a million years. Yankees couldn't cash in. Red Sox couldn't cash in. Both teams played very poorly from that point on, and the Yankees lost. Saturday's game, Red Sox got a run on a pop fly to first base. Red Sox got a run on a short fly ball to left field. Red Sox had check swings, singles, etc. A sad, sad way to lose a baseball game, and the Yankees lost that one too. And then on Sunday, the Red Sox came out flaming because they knew Yankees need this one. We're going to go ahead and take it from them too. Um, it's How often have the Red Sox swept the Yankees in recent years, by the way? It's not easy for either team in this rivalry to sweep the other and the Yankees have routinely, I mean, the Yankees went 11 and five or, or maybe a little better than that. Maybe even 14 and five against the Red Sox in 2019. Does that feel familiar or like something that happened? No, uh, it did. Um, and then last year, the Yankees went nine and one against the Red Sox. So the Yankees swept the awful Red Sox twice last year. Great. 
I be- I know the Yankees swept the Red Sox in a four gamer in 2019, uh, but I think that's it. They had numerous chances where they took the first two and lost the third. Um, they love to do that. The Red Sox obviously swept us in a four gamer at Fenway in 2018. They swept us a couple weeks ago at Yankee Stadium. They swept us today. Um, they took three out of four in a four gamer in 2019. We went 14 and five against the Red Sox. And they took three in a row at Fenway Park in the middle of August, which was sort of an ultimate. uh, They killed Tanaka and they killed Paxton in that series. And I do remember watching that series being like, "Eh, some cheating, some some video room stuff going on here. Um, (laughs) But even when the Red Sox aren't like good, they managed to regroup and either sweep or nearly sweep the Yankees in some sort of pivotal series to at least put the pressure on. Yankees needed to. I mean, we wanted one. They needed two. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to possibly stay in the conversation for, for the division race, which, you know, sounds like a joke. And I was, I'm fully in just, I'm fully in the mode of now rooting on the Rays to win the AL East and sending the Red Sox to the one game playoff. Cause I, I, the Yankees aren't getting the division crown. Are you, are you people insane? That's not going to happen. And I don't know, like what I, do you guys want me to hear? Do you want a roof of the Yankees to win the wild card? Is that what you guys want? Because you want to go to Fenway or you want to go to the Tropicana field or you want to go to Houston and play the wild card game or Oakland. That's what you guys want. That's the exciting ending to the Yankee season that you're rooting on. This Yankees team seems specifically constructed to lose that game. It actually feels like Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman got together in the offseason. We're like, we can build a contender that if all things go perfectly well, could lose the wildcard game on the road to any of these four teams. (laughs) That's basically what it feels like they built. Like, no chance. The Red Sox aren't unbelievable. The Red Sox were, I mean, the 2018 Red Sox are the greatest team we've seen in, like, modern era past 2000 baseball. The 2019 Red Sox were a lot like this Yankee team, honestly. Like, yeah. great roster, inexplicably not good at all. Sometimes would claw back. Like, this Yankee team claws back and punches back sometimes. Not usually enough. But, you know, the two teams with the most comeback wins in baseball are the Red Sox and Yankees. It's because the Yankees are always losing. <laughs> They're always <laughs> down. Uh, same with the Red Sox. Like, it, this year's Red Sox team is good. They could win the AL East. They, they could, you know survive in advance the pitching is quite not good it's a lot of guys with the ERAs in the low to mid fours uh the bullpen's good the starting rotation has a lot of questions that must be answered and there's a lot of room for improvement there's like spots on the team that could like the center field spot could become Jaron Duran soon instead of Danny Santana Chris Sale should be back at some point instead of Garrett Richards who after Garrett Cole is now the face of sticky stuff. Garrett Richards said, I have no idea how to pitch without sticky stuff. I do not know how pitching uh, I'm not going to be able to do it. My arm doesn't pitch anymore. So if he were better, he'd be the face of sticky stuff, but no red, the Red Sox PR machine. uh, Those fans know how to spin a story. So Garrett Cole is now the king of sticky stuff, even though he's been good at every start since the ban and Garrett Richards has been so bad that he's like, I got to learn new pitches. Can someone teach me pitches? Like, he should be the face of this, but he's not because Yankee fans don't know how to troll and Red Sox fans do. Uh, the Red Sox are a fine team. They are a an above average team with athletic players at many key positions. The Yankees have one outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> they literally have one outfielder. We're so else- used to the Yankees being good that we're like, they can overcome anything. Uh, we love our Yankees, but of course they're going to be there at the end of the year. Aaron Judge is the only outfielder on the team. 
Brett Gardner wouldn't play for any other Major League Baseball team. Clint Frazier is the worst defensive player in baseball. Miguel Duhar is the third baseman playing left field. And several times this series, the Yankees had Judge and Duhar and Frazier in the outfield, which is basically roughly equivalent to putting Kyle Gashioka in left field. They're not outfielders. It's insane. Like any objective person, you know, Yankee fans are looking for reasons to be like, well, if we only go six and three in the next nine against, you know, true shooting percentage or like throwing basketball advanced stats in there, they don't have, they have one outfielder. <laughs> so what the, what the fuck are you supposed to do with one outfielder? It's that simple. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, how can we fix this? We're going to, we're just going to complain more. This is a pod for the haters. Stick around. We'll be right back. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 4, 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the XO Yard podcast, returning to uh, a complaint session. I think we're being rather level-headed here, but so the, we're 77 games in to the season. The Yankees have had a Monday off day like every day for a month, and for some reason they're playing today. They have to play a four-game set against the Angels. I'm also going to the stadium on Tuesday like a, an idiot. Why? Why would I do that? My friend's like, we're going to monitor ticket prices. Oh, great. Yeah, monitor the prices. We'll be the only people there. That'll be great. Uh, I'll pay $75 to be the only person sitting in Yankee Stadium. But more important, so 77 games in, right? How many times have they played the exact same game? And what I mean by that is um, 77 games in, I would say at least 70 times they have played an identical game, which is put 10 to 12 runners on base, uh, and then the outcome is ultimately determined by whether they get two hits with risp or zero hits with risp, right? They're either going to win this, this identical game five, three, or they're going to lose it, you know, seven, three or eight, three. They don't play games with any variance. They clog the bases with the same people over and over again. The same people come up and have a 50, 50 coin flip. That is really more like a 75, 25 coin flip or or 21 coin flip because you said they're hitting like 219 with runs mm-hmm. in scoring position. They've stolen two bases with runs in scoring position, by the way. What the fuck was that? I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, neither do I. Why? It was probably That's an accident. accident. That sounds stupid. Don't steal bases with runners in scoring position, you morons. Um, but yeah, it's like a, a 20% coin flip, whether they get the runners in or not. Um, but it's the, it's the literal same game. There's There are always going to be guys on base. More often than not, they're not going to be scoring. And whether they take advantage of those opportunities determines whether they win the game or not. They have played like four or five games this year that have been relatively comfortable wire to wire. The Tyone game against the Royals right before the Fenway series, it gave us false hope. They beat the Tigers 10 nothing at some point. Um, there's no team that they are just obviously better than. That's another reality the Yankee fans have to face at this point. Um, I am in favor of a managerial change just because I don't, I don't think anybody could make this team look worse than Aaron Boone has. And there's nothing to be lost by changing the voice. I think Hal Steinbrenner's payroll restrictions are more responsible for this whole thing than Brian Cashman. But then again, name me a pitching trade Brian Cashman's won. Name me a pitcher that he's targeted properly. Name me a non-obvious signing he has got right in recent years. I don't think you can credit him for Gio Urshela. 
that doesn't no. seem like a thing where you can be like, I'm sure Brian Cashman pushed the front office to get Gio Urshela. But like Garrett Cole, obviously, pay him all the money in the world. But uh, Sonny Gray, you guessed wrong. Whitlock, you guessed wrong. Adovino, probably still wise to get rid of him, but maybe you don't trade him to the literal Boston fucking Red Sox, you idiots. Um, you know, Jameson Tyone, you guessed wrong. Corey Kluber, you guessed okay. And normally the Yankees could absorb a financial hit like that, but you guessed wrong. Um, year after year after year, decisions have been made during the creation of this core and supplementation of this core that have been incorrect. Um, so I endorse the removal of either of those two people. Um, but at the same time, it just changes need changes need to be made, but do they need to be made this year? I don't know. I, I'm officially sort of somewhat done. I don't know what you can do to turn around a team that's decided it wants to play the same game every day and has seen the breaks go wrong uh, against them at almost every one of those days. At least 50% of the time, the breaks go the other way. Yeah, I think I think they're going to have to play out the season, which I'm in favor for, too, because, look, th- there is and there isn't a lot of time left. We're we're about to be halfway through the season. We've seen teams flip the script. You have an OK first half. You have a blistering second half. All it's going to take really is 10 to 12 straight wins from the Yankees, and that changes the entire complexion of everything. I don't think that that's out of the question. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's impossible. I think they have they have the makeup to potentially do it. Um, but I think I think it's a voice thing. You want to know why? Because we're talking about we're talking about getting the job done when it's needed most. We're talking about runners in scoring position. We're we're beating the dead horse with this week after week. But once again, this series three for eighteen with runners in scoring position. You strand twenty three runners on base. You score uh, a total of fucking seven runs like you can't do that that's stuff that you can't do against in a must-win series there's no team tighter than this team that's no. that's what it breaks down to for me like and, every and, big yeah. game they're so tight i know and not only that like this one stupid us again where where are the idiots they're not the idiots we're the idiots we're sitting we here saying dumb. Yeah. oh wow this lines up nicely for us domingo herman versus martin perez jordan montgomery versus nathan Evaldi. Garrett Cole versus Eduardo Rodriguez. You would think at the very least Cole versus Rodriguez is a free win. This lineup is all right-handed. Eduardo Rodriguez, not good. Six ERA, left-hander. Yankees should destroy him. They don't because you know what happens when the Yankees go down early? They don't come back. This is not the Yankees of, of 2018 and 2019 where you could you could go up six to one and still be shit in your pants because there's still three innings left and you have to get nine outs. And all it's going to take is two straight walks and then you're in big trouble because then here comes a hit. Then here comes another walk. Then here comes a home run and it's an entirely different game. So uh, th- that team's not doing this. And there's clearly no, like no, there was no, wh- when you have a matchup coming into this weekend where there is the urgency, it's like, guys, we're on a roll. I know we escaped embarrassment against the Royals. They lost that first game inexplicable. They blew that second game and then came back and won it. Also inexplicable. Then they bludgeoned them in the third game. And it's like, dude, Walk-off win after being tested, losing two leads in the game before. Okay, come off that. Eight runs. Not That that was the second win the Yankees have done that all year. The other one was the 10-0 win against the Tigers, then the 8-1 win against the Royals where they just bludgeoned, and that was the end of the story, which is what this team should probably be doing for at least 20% of their games. Said they've done it for two in 77. That's what they're built for. Yeah, like that's, 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 that's the what point. they're built for. Yeah. yeah, if you're not going to hit with runners in scoring position, then you need to just keep hitting home runs and not be... 23rd in the league in RBIs and 27th in runs scored. And that's not, that's not what's happening. And then on top of that, when you finally get the pitching matchups, because once again, everybody here is okay. Martin Perez had a, had a, what 
had a mid fours, mid mid to close to mid fours ERA. He went six point six eight, yeah. I believe, at Fenway. So yeah. he that's went, where we were. He that's went, where the series was played. Yeah. He and then and then look, I know the Red Sox bullpen is good, but what's this? Well, again, what's the construction of this Yankees team? It's to wear down the starter and get to the bullpen. And they did that in the first game. Martin Perez had to come out after three and two thirds. They face four relievers. They don't score a single run. And then that game ends five, three. They faced they faced uh, five and a third innings against the Red Sox relievers, two of which were former Yankees. And and they got punked. Um, Then they let Nathan Eovaldi almost go eight innings. They let Eduardo Rodriguez go six innings and strike out eight batters. It's like. And even when everything's lined up where you're like, okay, we can maybe get, we're not even thinking about a sweep. We're just thinking about getting one or two. That's it. So I think I, if there was anything to put my finger on, it's gotta be a voice change, whether it's managerial, whether it's front office, whether it's uh, look, I, I, this might sound crazy. And in terms of a voice change, maybe you don't change the actual voice. Maybe you just change the way that you do things. Why not just option Clint Frazier and Glaber Torres for a week and just try to send a message, bring up Amber Gee and, and park and, and just see what happens. Like we'll ask the famous question for every fucking episode for three times a week. How much worse can this team get? They would have to be, they, they would have to export this entire roster and bring in like a double a roster to really get that much worse to the point where you're not going to want to ever watch another game. So why can't we make an extreme move like that? Don't even option both of them option. One of them. Someone has to learn. It's, it's the Yankees team uh, th- that this version of the Yankees team where they, the, it's constant coddling. It's not holding people accountable. Like I said, it's the zoom calls. You're asked tough questions. It's easy to avoid. You're not faced with any pressure. Garrett Cole was faced with one pressure spider tack question. And he sat there for 45 seconds saying, um, the whole time. So like this team doesn't know how to respond to the media. There, there, there is no, there's no fire lit any lit under anybody's ass. So if you're not going to change the voice, change some of the philosophy, just do one or two things different. And then maybe that's going to move the ship in the right direction. But I think you have a, a right managerial candidate in mind. I just, I just don't know if, if it's for now or if they're actually ever going to consider doing it. Yeah. My, my problem with the Clint Frazier optioning is just as soon as you option him, you remove his last minor league option and then he becomes a less viable trade candidate. Um, But then again, how much less viable as a trade candidate could he possibly fucking be? He's the worst. He's the worst hitter in baseball. Um, He, he, I don't understand anything about him, but yeah, my, my guy uh, for in terms of managerial targeting is David Cohn, who makes the argument every time he steps into the boot that he'd be a more valuable voice in the locker room than Aaron Boone. Um, he embodies both sides of the coin, right? In terms of a Yankee manager, you do want someone with the gravitas to say, I've been there before and I know what it takes to win in pinstripes, as embarrassing as that is. And so that's why I'm addressing it up front to get it out of the way. It does sound old school and stupid to be like, he's got to be proud to be a Yankee. But then yeah. again, like, you know, Billy Martin in the, in the you know, locker room for years and years that was his whole thing it was like i can't believe i got to be like i can't believe i lived such a life i was blessed to be a new york yankee now i i got to keep this job at all costs so i can impart as much wisdom as i can to, to the people in the locker room uh you know joe torrey obviously he wasn't raised a yankee joe girardi was i can't believe they never hired don mattingly at any point in time but that's a story for another day i sort of thought after 2004 maybe it shuffle Tory out after uh, the worst collapse in baseball history. And then you bring Don Mattingly's bench coach in instead of letting him go. Uh, what have you? What are you going to do? 
anyway, um, it, it sounds dumb and reductive to say like the person who you hire has to be prideful of the Yankee way and can't be an outsider. I get that. But they hired Aaron Boone ostensibly because of the greatest moment in Yankee history, this game seven ALCS homer off a hanging knuckleball before the team lost the World Series. I don't really think that was an iconic you know, it was a great moment. Uh, I can name more impactful moments. The last out of the 96, 98, 99, 2000, 2009 World Series were all more impactful than me personally. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great moment. I know, but ostensibly he was hired because he's a player's manager, supposedly. He's a conduit between the front office and the dugout in that he, they, he will do whatever they say. He's inexperienced, so he can't fight back. He's proud to have the position. He's good with the media and he's, uh, you know, responsible for a big moment in Yankee history. Well, David Cohn is responsible for a lot more winning in mm-hmm. Penn than Aaron Boone ever was. Uh, Aaron Boone has not been good with the media. I don't really like we say that because he's he's polished and he's fun to listen to and he's occasionally quotable. But by and large, he lies to the media. He lies at the front office's direction to the media. He sometimes gets snippy. He often doesn't have anything of substance to say. Uh, He repeatedly has stated that the team is turning the corner this year. They are not. That's also meaningless. On Sunday, he said, we have to find a way to get out of this. We've been too inconsistent. Well, you are the manager, so good luck finding a way because, you know, we is you. You have to find a way to get out of this. Um, And if your team continues to let you down, you won't be here. Um, I haven't found him nearly as gripping and interesting as he supposedly is as a quote machine. Every time he speaks, it's actually more embarrassing. So Cone represents the pinstripes better than Boone does. Cone is more eminently quotable and has much more gathered thoughts every time he is presented with the opportunity. I always thought he'd be a good pitching coach. I'm starting to realize he might be just a great manager in general. And on Sunday, he a called the Yankees out for being unprepared in this series, which is both an accurate statement and a shot across the bow of Boone and is a bold thing to say. If you're employed by the team as a television analyst, that's a bold step to take to outright say, and look, all of us watching know it's true, but we're looking at the game saying this team doesn't seem prepared to play the Red Sox. They let them score on a pop-up to first and foul territory. And David Cohen employed by the team is saying, I don't think this team's ready at all, which is an indictment on the manager for sure and is the number one reason why I believe he is not the voice of this team moving forward. But B, Cone and Paul O'Neill kind of got into a little analytics discussion. Uh, Cone is at the forefront of the analytics conversation for me, not because he is the number one voice in predictive. He's not Eno Saris. He's not, you know, churning out the numbers and giving you somebody Sierra and saying a pitcher is going to improve by 0.16% or whatnot, but because... He does seem to understand what the Rays and Dodgers and Red Sox understand, which is that analytics is a very important tool in someone's toolbox for evaluating Major League Baseball talent and creating a roster that works. It is not some giant catch-all indicating that you should do the opposite of what you learned as a younger person. I think a lot of Yankee fans think analytics means home runs, not bunts. And analytics means, you know, triples, not singles. But, you know... Yankee fans use analytics to mean my team sucks. And that's a stupid usage of analytics. In reality, it yes, a home run is more valuable than a single, as evidenced by the fact that the Yankees had 25 hits this weekend. Three of them went for extra bases, and they almost never scored. They didn't do anything for long periods of time because they couldn't manage to string hits in front of power. They just strung hits in front of hits in front of strikeouts. So analytics teaches you that strikeouts aren't the worst thing and the worst possible outcome, but it doesn't encourage strikeouts. That's a misinterpretation of Yankee fans too. Nobody explains this better than Cone, who also seemed to understand pretty perfectly the dichotomy between how hitting today has changed from hitting 20 years ago 
Aaron Judge sees the pitcher one to two times in a game. The starter faces you twice, then three different relievers who throw 100 miles an hour are the challenges that are awaiting you. That's extremely difficult. The Yankees need someone who man- who is able to get inside the heads of their players and com- like you know teach them how to be best prepared for situations where you are guaranteed to face at least three very daunting scenarios per game where a very advanced pitcher is coming at you from a different angle you've never seen before. Teams need to be more prepared than ever before, and this roster is less prepared than ever before. So the Dodgers, Rays, and Red Sox are analytically based teams that emphasize specific skills on their players who are otherwise average or would be average in the wrong hands and turn them into winning baseball players. Hunter Renfro, power hitter with a a powerful right arm. They've managed to maximize his efficiency by getting him to swing and ambush fastballs and by putting him in right field of Fenway where he's gunning people down with regularity. He has 11 assists on the year. Enrique Hernandez, Kike Hernandez, Marwin Gonzalez, very versatile players. Marwin Gonzalez is not hitting this year at all, but he is still a worthwhile player to have on your team for both chemistry purposes. Uh, Alex Cora has familiarity with him, etc. cetera. Uh, the Rays have lefties who hit, interchangeable lefties, interchangeable bullpen pieces, interchangeable rotation pieces. Nobody wants the Yankees to be as interchangeable and confusing and hard to grasp as the Rays. They just need to take advantage of, an, of the analytics movement Make it something that is not a villain for both the fans and the players. Make sure every player who walks in that locker room knows their skills are being maximized instead of minimized or shunted aside in favor of an approach that doesn't fit them. Cohen feels like the perfect guy to bridge the gap, and he has the experience of actually winning rings on the New York Yankees, which Aaron Boone does not have unless you can an AL championship ring. That's my spiel. That's it. Oh, I agree with it. I just I wish I knew what the message was. That's why I wish that there was there was media somewhere to I guess try to grasp what's going on. What's the energy in the air? Who is what are the, what are the players talking about after games? Because yeah. like we're forgetting about two very very uh, analytically inclined teams in the San Francisco Giants and the Milwaukee Brewers. Those are also two of the best teams in baseball right now. Did the, you look at the Brewers and the Giants roster? No one's knocking you. No one's knocking you off your seat in terms the of Giants your roster. I mean, my God, they have the yeah. best record in baseball, and it's like it's the core of the 2014 Giants. It's people yeah. who were long since dead, supplemented by people that nobody else wanted, and they are awesome. Yeah. And we have more talent than they do. Yeah, they play great defense. Their situational hitting is good. The Brewers, dude, they're dead last in MLB in batting average in 215. They're 45 and 33. They come through when they need to come through. Their pitching delivers when they need to deliver. Um, uh, what's uh, who's the uh, David Stearns? Uh, he's done a tremendous job over there. Farhan Zaidi for the Giants came over from the Dodgers, implemented some of his viewpoints um, in San Francisco, and that's kind of right of the ship. The Yankees just seem to be stuck in neutral because we've been hearing about analytics for what four years now, and it's just been the same story each and every year. Um, it seems like that there's no there's no there is no maximizing somebody's skill set there there is no sending the right message to a certain player when um you know they're put in a tough situation or a slumping player like once again how many glaber torres slumps are we going to endure this year how is nobody in this guy's ear talking about you know how he can better uh uh figure out an approach at the plate or how he can be more relaxed in the field or how he can you know uh, to take a, take a different approach against a certain pitcher. It seems every at bat's the same. His defense is in and out in terms of effectiveness and, 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 uh, and ineptitude. 
and we're just we're not seeing any we're, it's it's just the pendulum that's that's going in either direction. We get the 23 and nine run and then we're back to the same old shit again. So um, analytics would at least bear some consistency uh, in terms of helping t- you. You would see some sort of trend. You don't see a trend with this Yankees team at all. There, there is no trend. It's just not good. It's it's talent that's not being utilized correctly. It's. It's and then forget about the analytics aspect of it. It's morale. You could see that John Carlos Sanders walks back to the dugout with his head down after he strikes out. Nobody gets mad. Nobody gets upset. Nobody's yelling in the dugout. Um, obviously, once again, we don't know what's going behind closed doors because nobody's there. Um, but you see the body language in the post game interviews. Um, you see the body language after at bats or after players get make mistakes in the field. Glaber Torres made two of the worst errors you'll ever see yesterday, and he just looked down and started playing with the dirt with his feet. Uh, I'm not saying lose your mind on the field, but like, uh, I don't know, you just cost your team base runners and runs and, and that's, that's your reaction. That That's how you feel about it. Um, I, I just don't know. I think it's, it's a combination of poorly, poorly executed analytics and just no character. The team is, we joke that DJ LeMahieu and Corey Kluber are robots, but they are. And the rest of the roster is robotic in a sense. There's just, there's, there's no empathy there is no outward expression. There's the celebrations are even weak. Like, you know, you walk off like say, how many times do we see cross MLB when like there's walk-off players getting their shirt ripped off, thrown to the ground. I mean, if they throw somebody to the ground of the Yankees, they'll probably tear an ACL and be out. For yeah. Season, don't do that. Don't do that. But I mean, it's just, it's just so limp. Everything about it is limp. It's just, nobody's excited. Um, the, you know what the approach is, the approach never changes. Um, and here we are. And I think it could, I don't know if the, the change of voice could be needed in the dugout. It could be needed in the front office because we know that a lot of the information is being relayed from the front office to the dugout. So maybe that flow of information can change how Aaron Boone is doing his job or how Aaron Boone motivates his players or how Aaron Boone approaches the game. I don't know. I wish I knew, but something does need to be changed, but probably before the all-star break, if this can, if they're still hovering around 500 ball, um, because now this is this is a this is an 86 win team, I guess, if we're uh, combining the last uh, the last uh, 162 games, or at least the trend of the one last 162 games, and that's just that's that's unacceptable for for what we built here. Yeah, I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine that people are entering the locker room feeling like their skills are being maximized, feeling like they're being spoken to, yeah. feeling like they have any idea how to translate what they're learning to the field. Because you know, every day it is the exact same. And I know the Yankees coaching staff is not preaching failure, so there's a disconnect. Like I, I wish there seems like there's something toxic in the locker room. I don't know what it is, but this is one of the most jarring disappointments. Um, in, in recent baseball history, I think that's fair to say, um, they, they added Garrett Cole and got much, much worse. What happened? Um, you know, they, they took a team that was injury ravaged in 2019 and made it to game six of the ALCS. Maybe a different break goes their way and they could have won that series. If they have Mike Talkman instead of Cameron Mabin, if Giancarlo Stan doesn't get mysteriously hurt in game one, etc., they are really close to the world series in 2019 with a non full strength roster. And they added Garrett Cole to that team. And since then they have been just over 500 for a 60 game season and this 77 game slog fest. So, uh, I mean, it, you lay it out and any better than that. The, the Rays have lost Blake Snell glass now for a long period of time, their entire bullpen Castillo Anderson, they are nipping at the Red Sox heels in the AL East. 
The Red Sox traded Mookie Betts, lost Benintendi, lost Chris Sale, lost uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, of their own volition. Um, and by the way, I don't think if the Yankees had rehired Alex Cora and traded Mookie Betts to save money that they would be karmically rewarded. Nope. I guarantee the Yankees would be karmically punished if they'd done that. Anywho, um, try not to rant about the Red Sox. My doctor saying, you know, you, you got to be better about that. So don't do that. Um, but the Red Sox have lost a ton of roster churn and they're better. The Rays, a ton of roster churn and they're better. The Yankees kept the exact same roster and added Garrett Cole and have gotten demonstrably worse. There's something wrong here. And, and I don't know what the change is. But again, uh, you know, you can maintain the status quo to the All-Star break if you want. Um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty out on this team as of right now. I'm not interested. You can make dra you either make a drastic move or do nothing until the offseason because um, th this team, as presently constructed, we were on this a month ago. We were on this two months ago. This team's not winning the World Series. Not even close. There's no. There's one outfielder on the roster. <laughs> not even close. Do something huge or do nothing. Uh, don't trade your good prospects for spare parts. I think there is a reasoned rebuild to be done in the middle of the season. Um, I, when I say do something huge, I'm not saying blow up the roster because that's not something you can do. That usually goes poorly. It's a miracle the Yankees were able to hybrid rebuild in 2016 with all the pieces they sold off. Um, an entire roster implosion is three straight years of 55 wins. That's really boring and rarely works out. Don't do that. Um, but I do think there's a hybrid reasonable sell-off to be done in, in midseason. Get rid of some of the parts that are not working and start getting rid of some of the core pieces that you maybe thought were uh, going to carry the Yankees for the next decade. Because I don't, there's no one I really have the faith in right now to say they are absolutely someone who deserves to be on this team for the long haul. Correct. I, I have to echo all those sentiments. I unfortunately just don't think it's going to happen until the offseason. Yeah. And because the only thing that they could do before the trade deadline is sell the fucking farm and just buy a bunch of guys who are going to help elevate this team in some capacity because yeah. like that to me, that's the only move. And I also don't think they're going to do that. And look, we do say that Brian Cashman is limited and restricted by Hal Steinbrenner, which is true because there really is no excuse for the richest team in the, the second richest team in the world to just not exceed the luxury tax every year. But like, you could still build a pretty fucking good team and not have, not have as many holes as we do with $210 million. So there's just so much blame to go around and there's there, it's a chain reaction of blame, but I don't think anything's going to happen until the off season. And if they really go for it at this deadline, it depends if they're confident that if they can add these, these other, uh, you know, tertiary or, or at, at the margin pieces, if the, if those would move the needle for, for what they have in place right now, uh, because if they don't think this roster can do it, even with a couple of other additions, then Brian Cashman is not sacrificing prospect capital especially with how guys are guys are relatively rising in the yankees farm system the yankees have a lot of intriguing prospects um so in that case he's gonna be like you know if this team can't do it if i don't think this team can do it even with a couple of additions like i'm not sacrificing all these guys who could be part of the next yankees core um a lot of problems a lot of issues and yeah life is just we teeter on life being good and life being bad with the yankees but it's it's mostly bad we just try to be optimistic when we have the little opportunities to do so because or else what, what's the point of even listening to us? Yeah, I'm just really, really bored. That's it. We're all we're spinning our wheels here, but it's a boring team. It has been for two years um, and like they're in the same category as the Angels to me, like it's generational talents being completely wasted. Sometimes you're going to tune into the TV and see Shohei Otani hit a 450 foot homer. Sometimes you're going to watch Aaron Judge destroy baseball over the monster and go five for five. And at the end of the day, you go, Oh, look at what's the record of that team. They must be the best team in baseball. Oh, they're 
the 17th best team in baseball. Got it. Okay, very interesting. Uh, so, of course, the Angels come to town this week. Otani pitches on Wednesday. Two very, very, very similar teams. I, the Yankees, I always compare to the Boston Celtics in terms of riding high off a championship from 12 years ago, claiming they are the most historic, most well-respected team, and then yet somehow every one of their rivals seems to surpass them. The Celtics lorded over their core and bossed the Brooklyn Nets around for 10 years and said, ha ha, you made the dumbest trade ever. So stupid. You guys are dumb. And then all of a sudden Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant are on the nets and the Celtics are an easy first round fodder. Um, I, Celtics made a great coaching move this week. Hired Ime Yudoka. Uh, I think that's really smart. So maybe the Yankees will do something like that, but I feel like they are remarkably similar paths uh, for those two franchises. And uh, this is basically my end of the road. I'm just bored. I'm so bored. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be happy to answer it, but not as happy as we would have been on like April 1st. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find all the depressing content you've ever dreamed of at YanksGoYard.com. You can also enjoy some depressing discourse on the official YanksGoYard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. We'll be there covering this four game set with the Angels. And uh, for the love of God, win three games against the Angels. Not a great team without Mike Trout. Just please do something. That's all I ask, guys. We'll talk to you on Wednesday next. Talk to you Wednesday. Oh, and one more thing in case any Astros fans are listening. You people are embarrassing. Your contact rate is 5% above the league average. And somebody told me the Astros offense is so good because of teamwork. You shouldn't be allowed to analyze things anymore. Take care. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.